Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, and that means it's time for The Art of the CEO, the show for the people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I'm your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, and you may look him up, and every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, The Art of the CEO streams magically through the amazingly misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download it all by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. Yes, that's blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. And we invite everybody to visit and explore for your benefits. And whether you are a marketing wizard who's stepping away from old partners and reinventing herself in a newly founded company like Genie, or a supreme tech department organizer who is retiring into a new job at executive level like Carol, we're here to bring you sage counsel of business masters to help your career and your ventures. And today's episode is entitled, The Power of Peace, The Unarmed Heroes Who Face Down War. And alongside us is our courageous mentor who's going to prove to us the triumphs of unyielding peaceful persuasion, and that's Mr. Mel Duncan, founder of the United Nations-based Nonviolent Peace Force. Yes, today we're going to take a look at the most brave and effective ventures to bringing about benefit in our war-torn world. Mr. Mel Duncan, our guest today, and... With David Hartsu, about 13 years ago, founded the Nonviolent Peace Force, which places trained and completely unarmed individuals to halt the rape, pillage, and slaughter of civilians in war-ravaged areas. Yes, my thinkingly tough business leaders out there, would you like to know how to square off against the military squadron bristling with AK-47s set on and prevent a massacre? Well, we're going to find out how that's done, and along with it, we're going to provide our listeners with a Christmas gift, the gift of revealing that humankind is far more humane than our media might have us assume. So stick with us and learn how an impossible venture rises, survives, and thrives and brings about a better world. But before we reshape your thoughts on mankind and the power of peace, let's take a moment out there to supply you all with a few utensils for today's Feast of Wisdom. So first, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of Yourself. Now, that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career. So allow me to ask you, will this be the day that you lift the lamp of your humanity and go out of your way to meet and chat with some new stranger and reap those shared benefits? Or will you continue to diminish your odds for success by building walls? The choice is truly yours, my friend. And as a second utensil, allow me to... Dip into a little laughter. Yes, we're going to take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book, and we're going to. So let me pull it out here. Okay, okay. This is <laughs> this is number 79. <clears throat> Don't tell my mother I'm in advertising. She thinks I play piano in a bordello. <laughs> now, as most of you know. know Almost all of our quips come from my own contorted psyche, but this particular little gem comes from Jock Segela, who's the author of 18 books on advertising. And as an afterthought, 
allow me to add that any business that helps humankind a little better to endure life or a little better to enjoy it is an honest contributing trade and any kind of work in that trade is noble it's just a thought and as a third utensil perhaps we should call today's utensil the plowshare knife right now we're going to give you the answers to last week's business quotation and today before we leave the air We'll give you another quotation, and we invite you to email us the name of the author, as you believe him or her to be. Simply write down that name and mail it to info at bartsbooks.com. Yes, that's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you are correct, we will send you a marvelous gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So, the author of last week's quote, that is the individual who said... Our major obligation is not to mistake slogans for solutions. Well, those words were spoken by none other than the, one of the great newscasters of our age, Mr. Edward R. Murrow. So now, let's dig into today's Feast of Wisdom and find out how the power of compassion crushes the barrel of a gun from the nonviolent Peace Force uh, examples of Mr. Mel Duncan. Mel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Bart. How are you? Oh, life is wonderful as, as we come near the time of Christmas. Mel, before we get into all the, the introductions and, and details, I, I just want to check and know that right now you have people without a weapon in their hands who are actually standing up, preventing marauding soldiers, very well-armed soldiers, thank you, from raping and murdering and destroying peaceful towns in Syria and the Sudan and elsewhere. Am I right in that? Yes, we have uh, unarmed civilian protectors who are in a variety of places that include South Sudan, the Mindanao region of the Philippines, uh, uh-huh. Myanmar, and we're working with local people within Syria, Syrians mm. who are doing that kind of work themselves. I see. Well, could could you give us uh, one example of an incident, how of, of a confrontation that happened, and, and how your team handled it? Just just one story. Yes. If we look at South Sudan, uh, mm-hmm. which is the newest country in the world, and uh-uh. by many measures the poorest country in the world, tragically they. Uh, uh, a civil war reignited there two years ago this month, and tens of thousands of people have been killed, and millions have had to flee their homes. Some of those people who have fled have congregated around UN compounds in various parts of the country. Now, right. these aren't full-fledged camps. The uh-huh. conditions are, are not that good. Uh, as meager as uh, refugee camps often are, uh, but people are there for some semblance of safety. Right. Women leave those uh, areas every day to collect water and firewood. Right. Groups of soldiers will lurk on the outside of these areas and will gang rape the women. Oh, These are both God. government soldiers as well as rebel soldiers. Oh, Lord. What we've found, Bart, is over the past year, and we've accompanied well over a 1,000 women doing this hundreds of times, oh, that my. if two to four of our unarmed civilian protectors 
uh-huh. company groups of 20 to 30 women. Sometimes those right. groups are as large as 75. The soldiers oh. leave them alone. They look the other way. Hmm. And so this has been uh, tremendously successful in preventing rape and sexual violence by just the accompanying presence of Mm. two, three, four well-trained unarmed civilian protectors. Males? No, males and females. And I should add that our team come from 25 different countries and typically half of our teams come from the host country. And so these are are mixed groups. They're very strategic. This isn't a matter of just going out for a walk. Uh, In advance, we uh, communicate with all of the armed actors. They don't have to like us. They don't have to agree with us. But they have to know who we are and what we're doing. Right. So we communicate with all of the, the armed actors involved we have to do reconnaissance in advance, scout out the sure. areas, and then plan the route so that the women can go about their business and stay safe. So that's one that's, example of how we work in the field. Oh, Mel, that, that, that's that's amazing. I it's it's uh, what a wonderful thing, but uh, what a brave thing, and I think it's a, a little shocking on the good side. Uh, and I was wondering, Mel, if, if you could explain uh, to folks how where where all this uh, hopeful action really stemmed from. Now I know that that you and David Hartsu about uh, 16 years ago, I believe, founded the Nonviolent Peace Force. Could you just sort of give us an overview of the organization as a whole? Uh, you've told us some of what it does. What are its goals, and and uh, where is it located, and so forth? We are an international non-governmental organization with our headquarters in Brussels. And our main U.S. office is in Minneapolis. I'm based in New York because a lot of my work is focusing on educating people at the U.N. about this approach to peacekeeping and civilian protection. Ah, okay, so you're not a U.N. Force, you are a for you're you're educating the 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 people at the UN about your independent efforts. Yes, we have uh, what's called consultative status at the UN, and mm-hmm. so we work every day with members on the Security Council and UN agencies and entities uh, in helping them to understand how this works and how they may be trained or adopt these kinds of methodologies to help them to protect civilians. Because Bart, today as we talk, there are more people who have had to flee their homes because of violence uh-huh. since any time since World War II. No kidding. There are oh my, we, we love to sort of think of Pax America, but you're, what you're saying is uh, that's that's a shimra. That's that's it. Just ain't so. That's that's a, a, a horrifying statistic, and it's an absolutely immense undertaking that you're doing, Mel. And so I've really kind of asked, 
what was the spark? What made you wake up one day and say, hey, I think I'll create global peace, starting with, oh, Sri Lanka. <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what got the peace force going? Well, there's uh, a variety of streams that went into this as uh, goes into any good business venture. Uh, mm-hmm. I was on a fellowship and sitting in a class in Oakland, California, when I was confronted by uh, the teacher who was a Sufi, a, uh, a mystic from the Muslim tradition, and mm. she challenged me about the way in which I saw the world, which was in dualities of us versus them, right versus wrong, good versus right. evil. And she huh. challenged me to understand the world from a foundation of unity. And that mm. led me on a path that I did now, not... Now, I'm going to interrupt you right here, Mel, and say, that was a Muslim woman. Am I right? Yes, that's right. Yes, those are the people that that might... the kind of people who might be a benefit to come into this country. But I, I'm getting carried away. Please go on. Without her provocation, without the provocation of this Muslim teacher, I would mm-hmm. not be talking to you today about mm-hmm. nonviolent peace force. And I also want to point out that we have many people who are Muslim, who are in leadership positions, who are in the field doing the kind of work I described, as we have people from all of the major faiths and those who uh, profess no faith whatsoever, at least in organized religion. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Mel, actually, I am right along this line. I'm a very devout believer in peace. But I've I've got to confess that my belief today is more of a wishful prayer than a, a realistic strategy. I, I mean, I, I in the face of what I'm hearing in the news, do is there a hope for peace? Are there solid grounds for this hope? I mean, what do you feel? What I can tell you, Bart, is that active peace is much more than a wishful prayer. It is Mm. hard-nosed hope that is Mm. being forged in some of the most violent and challenging environs on our planet. And while we see images of, of countless horrible situations, and those situations are very real, we live and work in those situations, amid that brutality, there is another approach that's emerging of people mm-hmm. who are working on nonviolence and peace and reconciliation. And mm-hmm. it's their direction that provides us hope because as we see what's unfolding today, I think that I can paraphrase Dr. King in saying that our future is not either nonviolent or non-existent. Mm. Well put. Well put. That's that's. I, I'm really glad to, to hear that. It, it it really lifts us all and m- myself personally. And now, as I understand it, uh, you, you uh, since so much of your work is in war torn areas, I wonder if you could give us a little bit of a thumbnail sketch. You you, you sort of did before, uh, but how do you? assemble a team in an area and and insert them. Uh, I, I know you 
and and what do you instruct them? How do you instruct them? Well, I this is all very well planned and strategic. We only go into areas of violent conflict at the invitation of local civil society. We are an international civil society organization working with local civil society groups. So after we receive an invitation, our board reviews the invitation and looks, does a conflict analysis and looks at does this have a, do we have an opportunity here to be effective to protect people? Because this methodology doesn't work in every situation. Uh, But it works in many. And then Mm -hmm. if they give us the green light, then we will send an exploratory team and they will spend anywhere from one to six months doing an analysis of the conflict, meeting with potential partners, meeting with the uh, combatants, and then they provide a uh, very uh, intricate report that our board reviews, and they will then decide as to whether uh, we can raise money and send a team. So the process I just described to you, Bart, is Mm -hmm. unfolding right now as we look at the possibilities of providing direct protection for refugees who are going into Europe. There are hundreds of thousands of people who are Mm -hmm. on the move. And these are primarily refugees. These are not migrants. These are people who are fleeing war and violence. And in some countries, they are being met with hostility and violence and exploitation. And, you know, UNICEF tells us that at least 12,000 of the people who are making this exodus are Mm -hmm. unaccompanied children. Oh, and so unaccompanied right now, children. Yes. Oh, I, Mel, I, I hate this this, this stuff. This, it's a, but I, you really have brought forth the the point that peace isn't a wish. It is damned hard work, and it's also being approached as with a good, solid business model, and that's what works. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, I hate to break up, but but. Uh, we have come to our midpoint, and you are listening to the Art of the CEO radio show streaming live from Blog Talk Radio. And as part of our midpoint today, it is time, I think we need a, need a brief sorbet with all of this. It's time for me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, creator of, among many other divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and explore a wide wealth of practical wisdom from business masters. And today, Prometheus Publishing invites you to visit their bookstore and browse through one book. It's called The Leadership Secrets of Hillary Clinton, and it's written by a remarkable woman, Rebecca Schambau, who studied the effects of leadership in what I feel is a most telling way. She sought out all those who worked with and under Mrs. Clinton, and she reports that her effect, the leader's effect, on her staff and crew. And she, I, it is amazing how from them you learn how the master uh, – 
deals with people, handles crisis, and motivates uh, everyone around her. So for those who would like to get a preview, by the way, of this, of Rebecca's <clears throat> view on leadership and also uh, the presidential candidate, uh, Ms. Hillary Clinton, you may visit blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO the, and go to the March 17th episode entitled All Voices on Deck, The Necessity of Diversity. And you will find out about that book and um, you may just want to get a copy for Christmas from uh, for someone you know. And while you're there, by the way, on the website, we invite you to uh, click on that little blue mailbox and all of a sudden, alakazam, when you do, you can subscribe to Bart's Books Business Quips and every week, winging its way through your cyber, por- cyber portal, uh, you right on your funny bone, you're going to get some a nice quip and some laughter and a thought to ponder. And after all, heaven knows you deserve a little time to laugh. But let's before I blither on too endlessly, ladies and gentlemen, and all of us feeling the frantic festivity permeating the season, let us return now with Mr. Mel Duncan, founder of the Global Nonviolent Peace Force, spreading its power uh, through peace through uh, so as a gift for Homo sapiens on this terrestrial orb. Mel. This is uh, daunting work, and it seems as if the people who are joining your team are mostly local. Do you have people from the states, from Minneapolis and, and New York and so forth, saying, oh, this is something I want to sign up for and do, or is there any of that? Yes, we have people from the United States as well as people from Canada and people from Mexico and Costa Rica and Colombia Brazil, oh Zimbabwe, God. Nigeria, South Sudan, Lebanon, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, oh India, the Philippines, Germany, Spain, the United Kingdom. Oh. <laughs> I think it's so. Every, everyone is getting into the act. And, uh, you know, and oh, that's, that's good. Well, you know, I've I've point. read your list of your, your your list of ardent supporters. Sort of reads like some star-studded roster of world betters. I, I you've got the Dalai Lama. I know is is one of your staunchest yeah. advocates. Who else? Uh, give us tell us a couple of the other luminaries who uh, are groups that are on your side. Well, we have nine Nobel Peace Prize winners. Winners. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that include uh, the Dalai Lama and also uh, Mairead Maguire from Northern Ireland, Jose Ramos Horta from uh, East Timor, the Lech Walesa from Poland, from South Africa. So there's a, a wide variety of people from around the world. But more important than the luminaries part are the common people, people oh. who know in their hearts that they can step forward and make a difference, that they don't have to give in to the dominant narrative of despair, hopelessness, hate, and fear. Uh, and oh, let me I'm illustrate so, so. that by yeah, telling please you do. that we never lack for recruits. Hmm. This is hard work. Now, our people are paid. These are paid positions. Right. People typically have their all their expenses paid, plus about two thousand dollars U.S. per month. Mm. We so no never lack for recruits. 
we have routinely 10 applicants for every field position available, and people come from throughout the world. Oh, there that's is wonderful. A growing well, you know, number of us who know that the time is now and that the people are us. I, ladies and gentlemen, we have, you have just heard a timeless truth from Mel Duncan, and so we're going to call this a quill pen moment. I would like you to dip your pens into your inkwells and write down for your own benefit that we do not have to give in to the common theme of despair. We do not have to yield to that. And there are so many people who are standing up individually and saying, this is what I want, this is what is right, and therefore they're going after it. And so, uh, Mel, I thank you for putting that comment in front of us. Now, I'm also going to ask you now, what about business? Now, when I was, I was in college, back in the Vietnam War days, we posted signs uh, in our dorms that said, war's good for business, invest a son. And so so tell me, is the Peace Force bad for business? I mean, aren't you standing away at all these marvelous military contractors who have so enriched our nation? I mean, are, are you bad for business? Peace is good for business. Business flourishes in peaceful situations. Investment looks for stability. Oh, now, that's there true. Are, there are those few uh, very large uh, weapons contractors and subcontractors that do get rich off of these conflicts. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, what we find is that businesses in conflict areas will Mm -hmm. tend to congregate close to where our teams are located. Because that (laughs) stability... I can see why it's obvious. ...is important. And so while there are the large uh, multinational weapons makers that do get rich... We can't give in to them. We can't give them the last word. We know that most business is run by decent men and women, and they are out there doing the work that needs to be done, and uh, they need a peaceful, stable setting to be able to do their best. Now, I remember you saying to me once that that there is that we are surrounded by a world of peace and peaceful encounters that we sort of take for granted in our lives. Uh, and the, the, there is more peace that we relish than we realize. Is that true? That is definitely true. Bart, you know, when I get off uh, the program with you, I am going to go and get on a subway in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. That subway, my trip, from here Speaking to of Warzone, I'm sorry. Yes. No, no, quite the opposite. My trip from here to the UN on the subway will depend on thousands of strangers, many speaking languages that I am not able to speak, getting along together, cooperating, working for the common good, and nonviolent, peaceful coexistence is the norm in the world. Ah, very, very glad. That is the norm. You are absolutely right. And we dwell on that and we depend on it. Um, Prometheus has the belief, has always stated the belief that business is a generous uh, contributor and the 
act of business is the creation and distribution of useful entities for uh, all people out there. We depend on that. So business is part of that generous contribution. You as a working person are part of that generous contribution. And this is something we depend on this uh, unseen connection. And I, I'm so glad that, that you bring that up because if, if you think of these war-torn areas, you think of the incredible, if you want to view it from a business sense, the incredible lack of potential. Now, now, what is it, what's the global strategy for the future for the nonviolent peace force? Where are you going? What uh, what are you shooting for? Well, we are uh, presently expanding our work in Syria, working with Syrian civil society groups who mm-hmm. are Syrians in Syria who are working for peace and reconciliation. We don't hear about those groups, but they are there. And so we're providing them with training, with support, as they set up localized zones of peace, ceasefire zones, civilian protection projects. So we'll be working with them. We are also doing exploration, as I mentioned, as to how we can provide protection for refugees. And Barbara, right, I can right. give a plug. Nonviolentpeaceforce.org, www.nonviolentpeaceforce.org. We need right now $20,000 to put a team on the ground to start exploring that, and we can send that team today if somebody can go to our website and donate $20,000. This is not That's a typical plug. N-O-N-V-I-O-L-E-N-T-P-E-A-C-E-F-O-R-C-E.com, uh, .org? Yes, yeah, .org, right. nonviolentpeaceforce.org. And, we and can also, send a Mel, team. if I'm a business organization, a business or an organization, and I'm seeking a speaker, uh, or I'm truly myself, I'm truly dedicated to peace seeking, I can get uh, in touch with you to to speak and and your team and and applications through that same website. That's right, and we will be happy that, that, uh, if at all possible to provide you with a speaker and or background material. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, Mel, I really hope if, if you people will listen to that call, it's $20,000, and I am about to go to a chamber party where more than that will be spent on drinks. So it, it uh, not that the chambers are bad things. I just bring that up. I'm putting that into scale. So, my, Mel, I thank you so much for coming here today and for presenting for giving us a ray of hope. That's really what you've done for for me personally and for all of us out there. So I wish you, uh, may there be many good donations. May all of us, and you, Mel, have a good Christmas, and I thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Bart, and happy holidays and festivals of light to everyone listening. Oh, thank you, Mel. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we round out today's show, allow me to leave you with today's business quotation, and that is, who said the dictionary is the only place where success comes before work? (laughs) I love that one. Anyway, uh, as a hint, uh, how many hundreds 
did not know how hard they could try until they met this particular coach. So remember, if you know the author of this quote, just write the uh, name as you believe him or her to be and send it to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com to win an absolutely astounding, life-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore, if you have the correct name. And finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, if you want to make sure your ideas are never heated, just make sure that yours is the first and loudest voice in the room. After all, would you rather be your spouse's first love or her last? Anyway, to all you faithful listeners, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO Show as much as Mel and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this and all our episodes at blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. And next week, do tune in to blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo to catch the tips, techniques, and insights from Ms. Elise Benon, founder of Marketing Mentor and one of the foremost experts in putting yourself and your company profitably in the forefront. She's going to talk about pricing and breaking in the big leagues. It's uh, And as an exclusive, she's going to unveil her 2016 marketing strategy for our program. Catch the rays of Elise's enthusiasm. You do not want to miss this lady. Ladies and gentlemen, As always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.